Anyway, little signs, little signs. So let's talk today about waiting on the Lord. How about that? Notice I put on the other side, soaring with eagles. So that's actually what you get out of waiting on the Lord. I'm going to read some great passages of Scripture and tell some testimonies and just talk about the early church and the promises we have in the Lord. Nice to see everybody today. And um, nice to see all the young ones and the old ones. And... Um, I've been very concerned about uh, just praying for all of us and just continuing to, you know, it's funny because sometimes we come, Jesus said, my house will be a house of prayer. And uh, so I just always want to make sure that we are a house of prayer and we pray for each other. And we'll be doing that after the service a little bit. And uh, we do that during the service and uh, during the worship and all around. And uh, we are a praying church and we've really gone to great pains from the very day we begun to now to pray and intercede and um, so just continue to to lift each other up today and uh, don't ever doubt what you just say in a few sentences to someone in an atmosphere like this or any kind of atmosphere in Jesus name it makes all the difference in the world one thing I'd like to just enlist you uh, for if you could help me is uh, we have a couple of things that um, are pressing on us and uh, just want you to help me pray a little bit for them, and uh, maybe you could just lift them up, you know, when you see, when you're around the church, or when you're at home, or in your prayer closet with a couple of people. One of them is, um, so we've been in a long, long building project for the last couple of years. We've basically renovated top to bottom uh, three buildings. We're just finishing up the third. Actually, I could say two and a half buildings. We haven't quite finished. We'll finish half of this building, and then we'll finish the other half some other time, but so it's been a long journey, especially during COVID with all of the complications, all the price hikes. Just try to build something around here and uh, find out what happens. <laughs> Fix your garage, <laughs> you know, put some concrete in, whatever. Everything's like 15 times more than it used to be. I'm exaggerating a little bit. It seems like that. And uh, it's more complicated. And uh, uh, if it's not the inspectors, it's the the other things that we just got to deal with, with uh, people that uh, work for twice as much as they used to and don't show up and all the rest. So I think many of you are, have been afflicted with similar problems. And uh, But I just want to pray through it because right now we're trying to figure out right now as we, what do we do next. And we would like to address this area to our side over here where you see the tent, which is sort of weird in Laguna Niguel. Probably weird anywhere, actually. I just grown attached to it though. <laughs> so, because almost all the miracles that we see, 80 or 90% of them happen over there. They happen all week long. Cancer, you can't imagine. I don't know how many. I mean, actually, we used to keep a running tally of how many people have been healed of cancer alone, and it got to be 70 or 80. These are people that are just coming and they're, they don't have any, they have a little bit of doctor attention, whatever, but you know. And uh, they just come desperate, and the Lord just touches them. And we have that week in and week out. And so we've been hosting that. And from there, we feed them every week, three times a week. We just feed we, all this stuff that we get from the grocery stores and what we buy and everything. This has been a glorious time. So as we get down to the renovation, as we continue to renovate our buildings, we're getting down to outside here. And so it's going to be a little tricky. And uh, just it's going to be tricky financially. It's going to be tricky in terms of uh, how we... I just don't want to lose that sacred space that we have that's been created. I mean, um, when you get miracles flowing as often as we're getting right now, I just like I'm really a little reticent to touch it. I don't even want to do anything with us. It's moving too good, you know. 
I'm not kidding. I mean, it's so funny how we are. We want miracles, but we also want them like, if I were to say how many we get and everything, we'd all be rejoicing. But if we didn't see it near us or in our church building or, you know, one of our friends, it's hard for us to identify. But maybe you could just sort of identify. I mean, we're talking lots of cancers, lots of serious diseases, people that should be dead now aren't dead, and just all in the process of preaching to the weak, preaching to people that aren't doing so well, feeding them and taking care of them, finding them housing, which you've been doing and through the proceeds of the warehouse and through your kind gifts and so all of that. So as I address this area over here, I'm a little jealous and a little uneasy about it. I'm uneasy about the finances. I'm uneasy about how long it'll take. I'm uneasy about disrupting something that's already been flowing for a number of years. So Lord, I just pray you give us wisdom for that. And uh, I'm really just, if you could remember, just, that's like really top of my list. Like what do I do now over there? And, and so Lord, I just pray you finish... This project on this side's not done yet uh, of the building over there, but we're getting closer and closer. But I'll also, I just ask you in Jesus' name, you would just show us how to handle out here and how to design it and what to do and and uh, just financially and everything that it entails. And Lord, uh, there's another prayer I have, and it's the prayer for that land across the street. So <laughs> I've been playing hide and seek with the federal police over there. Because <laughs> I, I keep walking to land in a weird way, and they come and they pull up and they say, well, What are you doing here? And I'm glad to tell them. <laughs> I'm just praying over the land. You know, and, and, uh, they say, Oh, well, you know, this is federal property. Yeah, I said, Yeah, I, I know. And they said, Well, not just anybody can be on here. And I said, Yeah, okay. <laughs> so I'm just going to finish praying if that's okay. And then the other day, I'm. <laughs> walking along, and I met the, the the head of the entire thing. All of that, the guy that's in charge, comes up to me and wants to know what I'm doing. <laughs> so I thought, that is the strangest thing. I said to him, I've been waiting to have a conversation with you for a long time. I just didn't know how to get to you. So we had this whole conversation. I want to know really what's going on over here. You know, could you tell me? So he told me everything that's going on over there, right? And how he can't wait for it to finish because he's got to go to another assignment, you know, and all this stuff, you know. And then we sort of shook hands, became friends. It was great. And uh, so I want to buy that land, just straight up. And I think I know what goes on it too. So I've actually, that's why I was walking it, trying to figure out what I want, what I'm thinking about fits. And uh, it took a while, you know. So, uh, so just pray over that, okay? That's I think that's something of our inheritance. What you might not know is, with that land comes all the street there that becomes our our property as well. So it comes with the land. Not you don't have to buy it; it just comes with the land. It's, uh, I'm not sure how that works exactly, but someone explained it to me, and I'm already forgot it. But anyway, whatever. So uh, just keep doing that, okay? When you walk by, it's really easy. Just pray over it and beware how much you walk on it, though. People, <laughs> they're actually got it on camera and they're looking at people that are doing that, which I'm kind of grateful for because we get some weird people roaming around there. And I was just laughing to myself of all the weird people I'm seeing in this space. You come and get me, right? I'm thinking, <laughs> like, golly, I've I've seen every kind of drug deal, every kind of you know weird activity going over there in the corner, you know. <laughs> People driving up, you know, and, and I've had crazy people ask me what I'm doing on the land. And I'm saying, well, I said back, what are you doing on the land? Well, I'm resting. Well, so am I. <laughs> I mean, it's just crazy. I don't get it, man. It's just the craziest thing. 
so anyway, <laughs> so I had quite an adventure there. All right, so anyway, so I want to talk about waiting on the Lord and soaring with eagles at the same time. That comes out of this incredible uh, passage here in Isaiah 40, 27 to 31. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? Anybody ever done that? My cause is disregarded by my God. You might be too cool to say it out loud, but that's exactly what you feel in your heart. Matter of fact, I found out more people believe that and think that than you would imagine. They might not say it with their mouth, but they carry it in their spirit. And they mope around, they walk around, and they just feel bad, you know, because they feel discarded, they, they disregarded, they feel, and discarded. They feel their way is hidden, that somehow or another they've been praying and, and nobody's listening, right? And I think all of us have felt that at some time or another. So this next passage of Scripture, as we go through this, is kind of important. Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth? Did you forget that? If you know Jesus, that's who you belong to. He's not only your king, he's your dad, right? Our dad who art in heaven. <laughs> Hallowed be your name. <clears throat> Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary in his understanding. No one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Oh, I like that. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord... Now that interesting word, hope, which we'll get to in a minute again, it means to wait, right? Those that wait in the Lord also, it has that sense of it, will renew their strength. Matter of fact, it's better translated, wait. It's the literal translation of Isaiah 40:31. Waiting's not passive, by the way. It's the pursuit of an encounter with God. Those who wait and the Lord will renew their strength. It's exactly like surfing, by the way. It is. Waiting on the wave. See, there's sort of an... It's perfect because what the Word's communicating is there's an, there's an waiting, but not just waiting and going through alternate series of despairs and looking up, looking around where the answer is. So when you're waiting on a wave, we're expecting something, aren't you? You're waiting. You're, you're waiting in expectancy. You're looking for it, Right? And so what you do is you, you, you position yourself, right, to catch that wave. So it's not just waiting like you're not doing anything. Turns out this sermon is sort of about positioning yourself. It's putting yourself in this place. First of all, we do that with the truth of God's Word. That helps us understand. Because lots of folks in the Bible had waited. <laughs> One long list of them who waited, who never thought they were going to get the answer to their request, never thought they were going to be okay, right? And so this waiting is a really critical thing. It's not passive, it's the pursuit. So if I'm looking for a wave, I'm not just out there, I'm looking for it because I know something's coming, and so I want to get my surfboard out there ready for it so when it hits, I go for it, right? That's a really important point, by the way. Lots of cool stuff about surfing, but one of them is very spiritual, I think. Most surfers think that. <laughs> Whether it is or it isn't right. But but think about it. It's 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 your looking for God's grace. You're positioning yourself so then when that thing comes, you're ready to go. Now this is a very interesting point. I'm not even getting to my sermon, I'm already preaching, but anyway. I tell you it's very powerful. I've noticed that when you go through a prolonged route of something that you haven't received, it's so important to still be on your surfboard ready, watching for that thing. Because when God brings the answer, sometimes people wait so long they just forget they've stopped praying, 
And then it comes, and there it is suddenly, and they're not ready for it. Are you ready for the answer is really a critical question here. You're praying and praying and praying. Somebody, some people, you know, I've done it myself. I make a religion out of praying. I just, you know, pray, 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 pray. But I never look for or expect the answer, right? And the answer may come, <laughs> I've seen people, including me, knock on the door so hard that when the answer came, I didn't even see it. Because I wasn't expecting. I was just enduring. It's like sort of a discipline. I said, keep on persisting. So you made a, like, religion out of persisting. Yet when the time came for it to change, it may have required something of you. That would be faith. You may have needed to step out. You may have, been needed, you may have needed to do something. Not just wait. Waiting is not just waiting. It's recognizing the opportunity, like surfing, and the wave comes. Then what you do is you get your feet on the board. I mean, you get your swim out, swim out a little bit, you know, and then you say, try and time it, and get up on and at the right moment, you stand and you surf that thing on, right? Not that I'm an expert surfer. Eddie, you probably should have preached this part of it, but anyway. But still, it's the same thing, right? So there's the getting up on the board. There's the, the time. And so it's not just waiting, but then when the circumstances is there or... Even before it's there, perhaps, you're already preparing or positioning, and then as it comes, you react and you respond, right? That's a, right, right there is a great sermon. Just We could just stop right there. But you know, I got a whole page, of course, so here we go. <laughs> All right. But those who hope in the Lord, wait in the Lord, will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will not walk and not faint. And of course, the eagle, what's he's doing? As he's waiting, he's looking for food, right? He's using the, way, the, the wind to get him higher so he can see better, but he's also using, or she, eagle, <laughs> is using the wind to work to their advantage to gain velocity to go get their prey, right? So they use the winds for their advantage, right, to get prey, to actually get provision. And that's a very interesting concept, using the winds to your advantage, I think that God oversees all trouble. Scripture says God causes all things to work together for good, for them that love the Lord to call according to His purpose. It doesn't seem like it. I wouldn't make a religion out of it that God causes problems, but still, there's a way in which He manifests. We can see it in the Bible, famous Bible characters like Joseph, right? And you know, this sinful thing happens, you know, and Joseph gets sold, but then uh, Joseph's paying attention, you know. He didn't lose his relationship with the Lord, despite what happened to him. Even in the bottom of that dungeon, he was still Joseph. He shall add, he was still a believer. He was thinking, he was listening, watching, and God took his prophetic gift into that space. It's amazing how prophetic gifts think and work. No, prophetic works don't just, words don't, prophetic activity doesn't just work in like a special atmosphere where all the prophetic people are gathered and the music's just right and there you go. Prophetic is when you need it in the dark, darkest, deepest places of people's life or your life. This is the way. Walk in it. Do this. Do that. That's when we really need to hear God's voice. Yet we don't quite feel it. It's not in church. The atmosphere isn't quite right, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, sometimes prophetic people, and we, are, we have a church full of them, so including me, they have a bit of problem. They have, have a little bit of problem with the rejection side of things. They get rejected fairly easy. They should be the toughest people, but they somehow or another, they're pretty sensitive to things around them, so they have a tendency, and I know how that works and all that. But actually, the truth is, prophetic people should be the toughest people of all. 
right? They're the ones that are listening for God, you know, no matter what. Some of the greatest prophetic activity in the entire Bible comes in the bottom of jails in the stinking, darkest places. That's where God's voice really can be very helpful <laughs> and activating. So we'll see some of that as we go on, right? So I haven't even got past A. Lord, have mercy on me. All right. <laughs> so let's look at B. <laughs> it says, <laughs> Isaiah, <clears throat> look at uh, Isaiah again, uh, verse 31, Isaiah 40. It says that they will renew their strength, which is a supernatural encounter with God. God's not passive. He's active, not tired or disinterested. He releases strength and power even to the weary and the weak. Let me just read that again. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Mm. Aren't you glad he does that? Even youths, even people that are all traditionally strong. You know, sometimes you can be weak in a second and be strong your whole life and all of a sudden you find yourself in the most amazing weakness. And if you haven't been weak much of your life, you know, it can be really hard on you. You've had it so good, and when you get weak, you don't deal with it very well. But if you find yourself in that place, even youths grow tired and weary, young men stumble and fall, everybody experiences weakness. Those who hope in the Lord, those who wait on the Lord, that's the better way to say it, those who are actively waiting on the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. I love that. I love that passage so much, don't you? It's awesome. It's just in itself. It's so beautiful. So interesting enough, as we look at Jesus' life and his disciples, after the resurrection, Jesus told his disciples to wait and look for supernatural power. So they're in this space, you know, the, the waiting time. Um, sort of like um, Jesus has been crucified, and I, I think that uh, we shouldn't underestimate what that did to their brain. They did their psyche. I mean, this is a whole other world. And um, so then he resurrects from the dead, which improved, but there was a time there where they didn't know kind of what do we do next. He just kept popping up in various places and situations. We always sort of think of these people as super persons, but the Bible is very clear as you read the details of their life. You know, uh, Peter denies the Lord, you know, <laughs> a few times. And um, that'll do a number on your spirit, how you feel qualified to be anything from there on. So these are very, very real people. And I, I really like that the Bible is just very clear about it. Sometimes the Bible is shockingly clear. <laughs> it's just shockingly clear, you know. Tattles on these guys and what they're thinking, what they did wrong. Everything's out there in the open, right? On one occasion while he was eating with them, this is Jesus, which is really strange. I mean, he's coming back and forth this one, that one, you know, and then he's eating with them. He gave him his command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the father is set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Well, I think they probably thought there was something good on them already. They'd already been doing miracles, but they didn't know what to think. But he's telling them something else is happening, right? He's telling them, you know what? I'm going to renew your strength. I'm going to do something more. So Luke 24, if you look 
back in Luke chapter 24, uh, they weren't just hanging around these disciples, right? Um, uh, when, when he, uh, after this resurrection, we, we see that uh, they see him, you know, rise from the dead, and uh, they, they see he's ascended, and, and, uh, and so it says they, while he was blessing them, he left them, was taken up into heaven, then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stayed continually at the temple praising God. So they weren't doing nothing, they were continually praising God, which is interesting. That's part of this waiting on the Lord thing. Waiting has its own action, its own stuff. Praising, worshiping, continuing to be a believer, continuing to walk with God. So sometimes when people want a miracle or a breakthrough, including me, I just uh, shut down. I get, first of all, offended that the Lord hasn't done more, right? And I have to get over that, right? That's a big one, right? And worship, well, that can be sometimes tough. But this is what they did. All they did was they just hung around the temple worshiping and praising God, which seems like a rather passive activity, but this is highly significant. Everything about the Lord's Prayer is highly significant when thinking of prayer, right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. It starts that way. You're just worshiping God. So you guys just got through praying for 45 minutes, 50 minutes. To me, that part of prayer is so neglected. It's so beautiful too. It's the way we connect. Prayer is this two-way thing. And so like if I hunker down, you know, fast and sometimes, okay, I got to hear from God, you know, sometimes it's harder than just worshiping. And then the Lord just settles on me sometimes in the middle of worship and just talks to me, soothes my soul. I get my attention off myself for a change. Let me tell you, I think the most powerful part of the Lord's prayer sometimes is hallowed be your name. It prepares the way. It sets the table. It, it opens the doorway. It, it opens your own spirit. It gives even your, your, your own spirit faith because when you're worshiping that way, you're, 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 um, you're, you're doing something in faith, even though you might be in agony. But at the same time, God talks through praise and worship. right? And so for these verses in Luke 24, 53, 53, they were hanging around the temple and all they were doing was hanging around, praising God, and praying. And um, so when you're waiting on the Lord, that's the kind of waiting that produces huge dividends. For one thing, especially if you're waiting for something significant, continue to praise the Lord and worship kind of takes the sting out of the thing and your bitterness. We all know that it's going to be really hard to approach God with any kind of faith when there's bitterness on the inside. We're mad. I just like to say probably, you know, and I'm, I'm one of you, um, it's amazing to easily to, yeah, how, how easy it is to gloss over bitterness. You notice that? <laughs> Sometimes I'm trying to counsel people, and they're giving me all these spiritual explanations of this and that and all that, and I go into myself, bitterness, 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 <laughs> pissed off, pissed off, pissed off. <laughs> Could I say that in church? I don't know. Anyway. Bitterness, bitterness, bitterness. You know, and that fight's going on like a beep on their head. You know, I'm looking, and I'm thinking now, that how do you tell a person that's not doing well, you're really mad, and you're upset at God. Your root is you're just ticked off that the life hasn't turned. Then what they do is they turn it on the pastor, on the leaders who are not enough, doing enough to set the stage for their miracle. Oh, my gosh, I've been on the other end of that one. And so you, <laughs> then there's such a difficult space. Because, like, how do you tell them, well, first of all, 
you probably better get rid of the bitterness. You're kind of ticked off at God. Oh, I would never be ticked off at God. I would never. How dare you say that? Well, hmm. Well, maybe we should just pray about that. I don't know. I'm probably wrong, as usual. But you know how I know that? Because I get in the same place. I'm in the same way. <laughs> Spiritualize it every which way you can. But the bottom line is I'm mad. Just ticked off. You know, because God hasn't done something. So it takes these various spiritual forms that are like these spiritual like exercises we do, you know, to try to get past the pain, right? Including blame the pastor or blame somebody else or blame someone for not giving them an opportunity, your mom, dad, whatever it is, right? So they continue to look for the spiritual, supernatural power of God, and um, they're worshiping and praying all these days. And so then finally Jesus makes his grand last entrance, right? And he ascends to heaven. But look at the verses before. This is point C in your outline, Acts 1, 4 to 8. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about, for John baptized with water. But in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, of course, that word baptized means to immerse, submerge. You, you were submerged in water, and that was good. You followed me in that. That was baptism and repented of your sins. But in a few days you'll be submerged with the Holy Spirit. Which is, by the way, one of the reasons why I do my class called Life in the Spirit. Year in and year out, and i got a new class now. People, the church doesn't pay enough attention to this. This is like, like at the beginning. You're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. This is how things are going to change. You're going to get immersed. Turns out you need to be immersed and then re-immersed too. It's not just one to fix, you know, last a lifetime. It's, it's not only that opens the door to continued filling. So we emphasize. That's why I do this three times a year. I, t I have my little class. You're welcome to come here in the sanctuary, and I just make sure people get baptized with the Holy Spirit, make sure they know how to be filled with it, make sure that they have that experience. It's, it's really critical. So we just see it here right at the beginning of Christianity. And speaking in tongues, the whole thing, right? I mean, if it was good enough for them, it's good enough for us. Matter of fact, it's not just good enough, it's just the way on. You need something inside that wasn't there before. You're saved, that's nice, the Holy Spirit's there. These disciples are fully saved, they had that but they needed something else. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, they ignored that, what he just said, by the way. Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? They're thinking politics here. They're thinking politics, right? <laughs> okay, that's a nice, I don't understand the word you said, but I think we're, we got, I thought we got baptized anyway, but like, okay, so let's get down to tax here. Are, are, are we going to be restored with you and the kingdom and the rule of God and all that? He said, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he's taken, he's, you know, before their very eyes, he uh, ascends to heaven, right? And um, so this is a very, very critical part of waiting on supernatural power. That's why we go way out of our way. I, I mean, sometimes charismatic uh, Pentecostal churches... They're not charismatic Pentecostal churches. They got the name somewhere along the way. Something happened a long time ago, <clears throat> and it was good. And they proudly talk about their history. But you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit all the time. And the new ones need to get it. And so you may have like you may I'm a charismatic whatever I'm a vineyard thing, but 
what happens when you stop welcoming the Spirit and stop training and filling? So I love the way we do things around here. I greet everybody at the door that comes to the church, and they're welcome to come, and we just make sure that they get baptized with the Spirit by God's grace. And then we go on, and we treat them, teach them how to prophesy and spiritual gifts and all the other classes we have on Wednesday. So you get to go on with the Lord, right? It's so important. So, so um, anyway, he says this experience is about to happen. And uh, so they're constantly in prayer, uh, Acts 1, 12 to 14. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives. A Sabbath day walked from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter and uh, John, James, Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. I like that they named them all. I don't know why I like it, but anyway, I think it's interesting. Because uh, these are very specific people with specific names, with a specific calling on their life. And uh, that's the way you are. Specific name in heaven under God, right? But they did this one thing together, which is critical. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, with his brother. This is why we emphasize prayer around here so much. I just like to go back to the beginning. So these guys are praying all the time. We don't stop praying. You never come to a place where you stop praying. Part of waiting on the Lord is interceding and asking Him for stuff, right? I don't understand uh, how people get along without praying. I don't see how we get along without corporately praying. And for you business people, one of the most powerful places we have in our entire church is we pray over our businesses. I watch business people do the stupidest stuff, and I wondered for years, why do they do those stupid things? Just about the time they make it, they just go pull a bonehead thing, and they just ruin it all. Well, one of the reasons why is because they don't pray. They got the idea that they got there somehow, they're zoring up in the wind with the eagle. They forgot who brought them there, <laughs> who sustains them, and who causes them to be able to fly. So that's one reason why we love constant prayer around here. And, uh, and so we have this business prayer meeting we do on a Zoom call now. That's another thing that's irritating me. I want to do this in person. We used to do it in person on this, all this construction. I haven't been able to return to it quite like I want to. And I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I tell you, I admit that Zoom thing's pretty cool. We pray for all kinds of stuff and see all kinds of miracles. But So they're constantly in prayer, right? They're constantly in prayer at the headwaters of the church. They didn't stop being constantly in prayer, by the way. Constant habit they picked up from Jesus, right? But this is really important. It's part of waiting. Don't ever lose your prayer line. Whatever you do, do not lose your prayer line. Do it consistently. Pray somewhere, someplace. That's one reason why I love little prayer meetings, because at least it gives me a chance for me to, okay, I'm checking in. This is where I'm going to be, right? This is, okay, I'm going to pray, right? We have one of the best prayer meetings in this whole church is a women's prayer meeting on Friday morning. It's unbelievable. I sneak in there, I'm looking around, I'm prowling around, looking around the corners. Half the time they catch me, half the time they don't. You know why? Because prayer is my life. So whenever there's a prayer meeting around, it smells good. I'm like, where's that coming from? I'm looking around. Oh, there's, oh, there it is. There's a prayer meeting right over there, right? And, uh, and you know, prayer is so humble. That's part of the whole thing. It's like a cloaking device God has, you know. Because he doesn't like proud prayers. He likes humble ones, right? And people really sometimes are just too proud to pray or too hurt or angry. I don't know why we get in that place. Well, I do know the enemy dupes us, thinks we lost connection. 
But it's so important. And so here we see in this thing, right at the headwaters, right? They turned from the hill called Mount of Olives. Sabbath walked from the city when they arrived. They went upstairs to the room where they were um, staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip, and Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly, interesting, in prayer, along with women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So they're, they're, they're waiting on the Lord. I mean, the risen Son of God says they're going to receive the Holy Spirit. So what do you do in the meantime? They didn't just say, okay, well, I, I don't know why he's going to show up. But no. So it turns out that at one of the occasions when they were praying of many days, they've been praying together, then the Spirit fell at a prayer meeting, right? They're gathered together. Boom! In comes the Lord. So this is part of the waiting and the inbreaking of God. Prayer is a problem because it's so weak. People are so distorted, and people are so religious about it. It's very simple. I need something. I need to ask God. <laughs> Humbly. And I need to do it with a couple other people. It's very helpful. Something about agreeing in prayer like these guys were doing. So Acts 2, 1-4 records what happened in response to their waiting on the Lord. On the day of Pentecost, the church mounted up with wings of eagles on the very wind of the Spirit. I love that. On the very wind of the Spirit. And uh, I like that reference to, again, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. And when, as the Spirit came, they began to fly. They began to fly. So the flying part was cool, but they didn't understand what flying was going to entail. And one of the first things it entailed is they got arrested. <laughs> so... Beware of flying in the spirit too high, you know, as people that want to shoot you down. So two kinds of winds cause the church to fly. All right, so if you look at your outline 2A there. The wind of the spirit preceded by constant praise and prayer, which we've mentioned. They all joined constantly in prayer at their house. And when you look at Acts chapter 1, uh, verses 12 to 14, then the apostles returned, remember, and they all joined constantly. And it was the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, everybody's there together. And that's when they—that's what they're doing when Pentecost comes. I'd like to just add a, a couple of passages that I, I think are uh, sort of e interesting. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 17. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, yep. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, yep. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. We just did that this morning, didn't we? This speaking together is prayer, by the way. It's the hallowed be your name part of prayer. That's what we were doing. We are not only speaking to God, we were speaking to each other. That's why it's encouraging. All together when we worship. I mean, just try coming here and worship it by yourself, right? I've done it many times. It's not so great. It's okay. I need some music or something, but just me worshiping, bellowing, my gushings of my heart. I suppose God might think it's funny, <laughs> and it might be interesting, but oh, two or three, or when we all gather together in this worship, it's like surfing. You just catch the big one, right? You catch the wave, and there's all kinds of spiritual activity going on. So he says, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. So we're not only speaking to God, but we're speaking to each other. 
That's why we're so addicted to coming. If worship's wonderful as we're singing, we're singing to God, but to each other. We're, we're building each other up in our most holy faith. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for, ever, for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I really, really like that passage. So the place of singing and giving thanks is so important for the wind to blow, for eagles to fly. fly. To be the wind of adversity takes us more deeply into God's purposes. That's the second wind. One's the wind of the Spirit, which is occasioned by prayer and worship and you know supernatural flow of gifts. But then the wind of adversity. That one, uh, like we could kind of take or leave that one. That one's a little harder, right? But we have to admit that the wind of adversity pushes us into soaring with the Lord. Maybe not like quite anything else does. This is extremely pronounced this wind of adversity in the book of Acts. And so uh, we see uh, Acts uh, chapter 4, verses 29 to 31. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with boldness. They say, stretch out your hand to heal. Perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So they begun to experience some resistance from the spiritual leaders around. But they kept praying. They kept interceding. They understood where they come from. They kept flying, right? And so this wind of adversity actually, as we see the thing unfold, actually helps them to get stronger and stronger. Their prayers change, but even the supernaturalness of God comes and begins to address the situation in a different way. So they're about to get beat because they get arrested and thrown into jail and they're worshiping God, thanking God for what happened, right, and all that. And uh, so they want to kill them, some, some of the Sanhedrin, but look what happens. This guy stands up and says, you know, if this is God, you probably can't stop it. So they called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So how many of you know that flogging's probably not very good? <laughs> Oof, that hurts. So, but this is what happened. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejecting because they, rejoicing, sorry, because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Is that turned around or what? They're suffering for Jesus' sake. Some of you are suffering for Jesus' sake. You're in situations and you put yourself in situations and you're suffering for Jesus' sake. But look what happens. They're, they're actually rejoicing over it. They've included that in their theology. Evidently, they, they, that was a sign to them that they're on the right track. Now, I'm not sure. I've, I've reached that. I suppose you could make a religion out of that. But look what happens. And this is the critical thing. Remember, the winds that cause the church to fly. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stop teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Wow. Even though they told him to stop, right? So it takes us more deeply into God's purposes, even pain. And we all know that. We don't like to admit it. I don't even like to talk about it, frankly. I don't want to make a religion of it, but i got to admit, man, my prayer life has been developed so far because of most of the trouble in my life, honestly. <laughs> and um, so I think maybe the change we need to make emotionally and mentally is like not using that like as a last resort or okay I guess I better pray about it. 
Maybe I better call my friend and have them pray about it. Maybe I start, better start going to church. Okay, you know. This is a dumb lifestyle. Like We're always prodded and beaten up or else we don't pray, right? This is really, really crazy lifestyle, right? But <clears throat> so what happens is they end up getting, the disciples end up getting scattered. And, um, and so the wind of adversity begins to cause the gospel just to explode. And um, I'll tell you what, some of the best testimonies and the best life that we've received in our church is somebody that's gone through adversity and come up the other side. So Frank and Don, that's going to happen to you. You're on your way to a miracle, right? And you're on your way to testimony. And Frank, if you're not blabbermouth enough to tell the miracle, your wife surely will do it. Because she, like, is a mover and a shaker, and she will repeat that testimony, and you together are a dynamic duo, and I sure you will, but you will receive the blessing of the Lord, and God's going to use you. And I just pray in advance that the Lord would use you as a mouthpiece, Frank and Dawn. May this it cause your ministry to grow and explode, and may the testimony God gives you during this time May it erupt into blessing. May the wind of adversity move you forward. May you begin to fly with eagles even now before it even happens in Jesus' name. And uh, I'd just like to say that over anybody that's facing a life-threatening situation, a position that you're in. Maybe even since last week you find yourself in a weird position. May the Lord take this adversity and use it for His purposes and may you overcome and find the testimony behind it. So look at uh, Acts chapter 8. And Saul approved of their killing him. That is the, the servant Stephen. On that day a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem and all except the apostles were scattered. Throughout Judea and Samaria godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church going from house to house. He dragged off men and women and put them in prison. This does not seem right. Jesus crucified. They finally get their act together. They're filled with the Spirit. Things are popping. People are getting healed. Peter's shadow's falling on people. And then what happens? You ever been in that position where you're just flying along? You're actually obeying. You've checked off the list. You know, you're not doing most of the sins you used to do. <laughs> you feel reasonably clean, reasonably able, reasonably spiritual, you know, maybe more spiritual than usual. And then bam! And you're thinking, what in the world? did I do to deserve this? And the answer to that question is nothing. Nothing. But it is an opportunity for you to begin to fly on the winds, right? So they're scattered all over the place. Philip goes down to this place called Samaria. Uh-oh. What's he doing in Samaria? Well, I was persecuted. I have to go there, right? <laughs> but he remembers that Jesus proclaimed the gospel there. Now, the Samaritans are hated. Now, that, to this place, the church had no revelation that anybody except Jews are going to be saved. And they're attached to their eschatology, right, that the Jews are finally going to rule and reign on the earth, right? <laughs> and then this persecution, this wind of adversity comes and scatters them, and one of them ends up in Samaria of all places. These people were hated. People, Jews and Samaritans did not get along. Both equal opportunity employers, both hated each other, right? So when the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many were paralyzed or 
Many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. So this adversity causes the church to begin to expand its wings. And now it's beginning to reach out beyond Jerusalem, beyond Judea. Now it's in Samaria, right? If we look at Acts chapter 16, verses 25 to 31, we see again this adversity working for the disciples because by this time now they're in the whole world and they come Paul and his associates come to a place called Philippi about midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God in the middle of a dark dank jail by the way ancient jails were not pleasant they didn't have cushions and nice <laughs> they're chained you know sitting on these concrete floors what are they doing they're soaring with eagles is what they're doing they're praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the fountains of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself, we're all here. The jailers called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then asked, he then brought them out and asked, Hey, what do I need to get saved? What do I need to do? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you'll be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house at that hour. He, so the jailer takes them in, and there's a Philippian church planted out of this horrible thing that happened. They mounted with wings as eagles, started a revival, and now there's a new church. It's amazing how God uses adversity. So the other day I was looking in my drawer and I stumbled across this video. And it's a video that Paul and I did at Mission Viejo Vineyard. Some of you probably were there that night. We were telling about his testimony, right? I can't. I just stumbled across it. I'm thinking, wow, that's amazing. And then I realized, hey, I'm talking about this. This is amazing, you know? So I don't have it on CD yet, so i got to get it on CD. But this is this story that he told. He's told many stories, and um, it's the reason why we're in Cambodia right now. And uh, because he survived the Holocaust, then after he survived the Holocaust, things were going pretty good, you know. Um, they, they stopped killing people for a while. He uh, was there back in uh, Cambodia, and um, he was just doing, you know, pretty well. But then he got arrested in Phnom Penh. And uh, I've told this story before, so I'll just tell it briefly because many of you have already heard it. But when he got arrested, he was put in this uh, a chain to the floor, made to sit in his excrement for about uh, a week at a time. They would bring him his food, and he was in with all the other political prisoners. All of them were in there, and they were actually in a little separated from each other. So all there's walls, and they're chained to, on the floor. I've been in that prison, by the way. And uh, they were sitting there, and they couldn't get up, uh, and they just had to sit there, you know. And then when they said they could get up, they got up. And uh, they would feed them. So the Lord uh, came on to Paul and told him to stop eating. So you can imagine, how do you, you like to be a starving man and stop eating, right? So I'll try to cut this short for some of you, but some of you already know what happened in the story, so I, I won't belabor it too much here because some of you probably haven't. But So his name is So Paul, right? This man's named Paul. <laughs> so Paul's in the prison, and um, what he began to do is, you know, and this, he noticed that there were generals and other leaders that had been imprisoned in the thing, but they couldn't see each other, but they could hear each other. So he started singing this famous song. So, uh, so Paul keeps telling me it's a Cambodian song. It wasn't an English song. 
I thought it was an English song. I even asked him one time, I thought that was an English song. He says, no, it's Cambodian. I said, what? And he says, yeah. So they're in the cell, jail cell, and they began to worship, and they began to worship. And as they began to worship, they would sing, I got a river of life flowing. He taught them all in Khmer how to sing it. So they're all singing that. But then the heavens opened. One day, he looked up, and he could see the angel of heaven. And they were all singing the same song. And I said, they were probably singing it in English, weren't they? And he said, no, they were singing it in Khmer. <laughs> I told you, it's a Cambodian song, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> and the heaven. So this worship in heaven, worship on earth, they're all worshiping God, right? And then the Lord spoke to Paul and told him, you know, just stop eating. Don't eat anymore. And so he just stopped. And uh, so they didn't know what was wrong with him, so they hospitalized him. And then the long story, uh, told a little shorter, but he ended up in a hospital and because uh, he, he got dehydrated and everything. And it uh, turns out he met a Cuban Christian doctor in there. And one night, uh, lightning hit the compound. The lights went out, and so Paul could barely walk. But the Lord told him, get out of bed and, and go out the door. So he did, and when he did, he fell right behind the guy that was guarding the thing. He fell right behind him, literally fell out, because he couldn't stand, and the guy didn't see him. So he crawled in the rain, in the mud, got as far as he could to a fence, and hung his hand outside the fence, just was there. And a car pulled up, found him there, pulled him out of the fence, got him in the car, and uh, he eventually recovered and began to uh, got his family and ended up in a refugee camp where I met him in Cambodia and then eventually ended up in back in Cambodia doing what he used to do, right? And the Lord delivered him. So that was a so Paul, and the reason why uh, he got delivered was in this place of adversity he began to worship. That was the turning point that opened the door. Can you imagine a starving guy telling him not to eat anymore? <laughs> that's what the Lord told him to do. And that's what actually led to him leaving the jail, and the Lord did the rest, right? So if you look at C2 uh, on your outline, David was an eagle who praised and prayed to access the wind of God, the presence of God. He saw the, he, and I love this Psalm 27. It's such a powerful thing. It's a picture of the worshiping warrior. So this David guy is one of the greatest examples in the Bible because he was, he was this combination of great warrior and looked up to, but he always found himself in a horrible jail in a horrible place. <laughs> he just kept, woo, woo. <laughs> I just thought at the time he thought it was going to be great. He kills Goliath, but then he just gets in this place sideways and he's being hunted down in his life and everything. So he's this worshiping warrior, which is a perfect picture for who we are, right? This perfect example of how to wait on the Lord and fly like an eagle. How to be in deep trouble and still fly, right? And so Psalm 27, he says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? I mean, he had plenty of people to be afraid of. Goliath was the first. But how about all the other kings, and especially King Saul and all the other leaders, the Philistines were trying to kill him all the time for a long time in his life. So these psalms were written with that backdrop, this guy running for his life, you know. And then when he became king, messing up really bad, finding himself in the pit because of he messed up, and then the Lord forgiving him and raising him up again. And in the process of all that, he's writing all this information. It's like a diary of his emotions, what he was going through and how he survived it. So look at this one. When the wicked advance against me to devour me, that would include demons, I think, it's my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Hmm. 
though an army besieged me, <laughs> he literally had armies besieging him, trying hunting him down, trying to kill him. My heart will not fear. Wow, that's where I want to be. How about you? The war break out against me, and you put your own war in there. Sickness, whatever you're warring in, whatever they're warring about, whatever it is that's keeping you, or at least it looks like it's keeping you from soaring with eagles, right? Though an army besieged me, a heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. So what he did is he learned through his experiences that nothing could defeat him. This is the, this is the only thing he needed to do. This is the one thing he could not stop doing. One thing, he said, I asked from the Lord. This only do I seek. This is this eagle talk. This is how eagles talk. That I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. For in the day of trouble, see this uh, gazing thing is connected to the day of trouble. What worship you're doing here, what worship and prayer you do before the Lord, it's connected to your troubles. Right? For in the day of trouble, He will keep me safe in His dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of His sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. You get to come in here and worship the Most High God. You get to gaze on the Lord. It's your privilege, but it's all connected to the events of your life. Very seriously, you're waiting on the Lord. He will hide me in the shelter of His sacred tent. He's talking about the church at that time, the place where He worshiped God, and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted and above the enemies who surround me. Wait, 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 wait. You mean my worship, my... Uh, private life worship, my public worship, my my connection in this intimate place with prayer and worship is connected to my enemies? He says there, there's the word then, verse 6, my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. So singing and making music to the Lord is connected to his enemies. What's your blood-sucking enemy right now? What are you facing? It might not be a person. It might be a sickness. It might be a situation. It might be something that you just don't understand. You're asking God every day, why? Why? Why am I in this place? I don't understand. There's nowhere to go. I'm trapped. Oh, there's a way to go. A place to go. Here. And with God. Worship. Praise. Prayer. Uh, is there another selection? <laughs> I face a little bit down right now. I'm not sure what to think of God because this has been pretty tough on me. Hear my voice when I call. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God, my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, my Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. And by the way, not all of his oppressors were mean Philistines. Some of them were his own countrymen. Some of them were because it was his own fault, members of his own household, because he sinned. You would think, man, I don't deserve to go in and pray anymore. I screwed up way too bad. But this isn't just about people that did everything perfect. This is about people who are trying to connect with God again. That's when you become perfect. That's when His sacrifice begins to mean something. In your weakness, you're made perfect. In your worship and your prayer, you don't have to pray and worship. You get to. You get to connect. You get to fly. You don't have to. You get to. 
and it honors the Lord in the midst of your deepest depression and heaviness and sickness and illness and disgust to worship anyway. That's how you fly, right? That's how eagles do it. They use the adversity of the winds in their favor. They use it to fly higher. They lock those wings and they catch the gust and let it take them up and up and up. Then they get up there and then they come down, down, down on the prey, right? They just do that over and over again. And if they don't catch anything on the way down, they just go and do it again and be caught up again and again. Do not turn me over to desire my false foes, for my false witnesses rise up against me, sprouting malicious accusations. But then he says at the end of it, I'm in big trouble. But look what he says. I remain constant, confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I'm going to fly after all. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart. And wait for the Lord. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart. Wait for the Lord. Wow. When David faced the Lord, he knew God would face his enemies. That's why he could constantly, confidently say, wait for the Lord. At the bottom of your outline there, Roman numeral 3, the promise for those who actively wait, hope on the Lord, is that they will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. In fact, they will soar on wings like eagles. Psalm 40, I mean Isaiah 40, verse 31. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. I wish sometimes there was a different way to do this. Because one of the last things I want to do when I'm in trouble is worship and sing and praise and act like nothing's happening. Right? To me, it's like denial. Now, I'm not saying you should not do something about your circumstances because I'm sure if the opportunity presents itself, you will be good at that. You will do that. Most people are smart enough to do that. But if you consider that all your situations may be something of God's design, plan for you to move higher, fly higher, do better, you wouldn't do better because you've been stuck in this rut. And this trouble you've been in is to change and turn you around a little bit, turn you back to the Lord, and renew your strength and call your attention to maybe another way. That's what it means. Here's one of the most dangerous passages in the whole Bible. I don't have it written here, but all things work together for good for them that love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. <laughs> what a great verse! Until you're in the suckiest time of your life, and then it says, that, that can't be true. This is working together for my good. You got to be kidding. They must have let, you know, there must be an exception clause on this somewhere. The, Paul's living this. He's in jail in Philippi. What's he doing? Oh, this is a great time to sing. Let's all sing, boys. <laughs> there they are singing. <laughs> right? So Paul's in danger. So Paul, he's in, you know, right in the midst of a pit. And they began to worship. Now, all the people in the prison, by the way, learned that song. They sang it in Khmer. Evidently it was written in Khmer, from what I understand. <laughs> Even youths grow tired, tired and weary. Young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not go weary. They will walk and not faint. Something on the inside is renewed. It's amazing. So God catches us up in this rhythm of advance in our lives. They will run and not grow weary. And if you look at Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. 
Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the, with the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with gladness in their hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Every day they continued to meet in the temple courts. What were they doing in the temple courts? They were praying every day out loud, even when it meant arrest, they didn't care. Their prayer life was more important to them than anything else. They realized it was their lifeline. It wasn't something they just did when the pastor made them feel guilty enough to do it, or the Bible made them feel guilty enough again, or probably some, somebody said you should pray. No, they understood it was their lifeline. This is their only lifeline, the connection with Jesus. They understood from his example and his ways, this is what he did. He worshiped, he prayed, with the Father, and He's the Son of God, they understood somehow. So day after day, they continued in this one place, and from that place, the gospel began to go out to the ends of the earth. It was like a huge launching pad, even though they kept getting thrown in jail and all the other things, right? What an amazing passage of Scripture. The very end of your outline there, when trouble comes, we go deeper into the presence of the Lord, and the wind of the Spirit takes us higher. Lord, I just ask you that you would take us higher today. And long after church is over today, long after we're away from the music, I pray, God, you would teach us to wait to fly before the circumstances change. I pray, God, you would renew us. I pray you would teach us. I pray you would show us how to mount up with wings like eagles, even when we don't feel like eagles. Sometimes we're flying, but we don't feel like eagles. We don't feel like we can fly at all. We feel like we can barely... You know what? God's so humble and gracious to us. Sometimes when we get the idea of prayer and worship, we're thinking like this overcoming, amazing thing and attitude. I just think to soar on wings like eagles sometimes is in your deepest place just asking God, have mercy on me. I'm not doing well. I failed. I messed up. I have this much faith. But Lord, would you have mercy on me? I'll tell you what, when you get in that place, one thing I've learned that's a really big help is put some worship music on. <laughs> Sometimes I just put 99% worship on <laughs> and I get about 2% prayer in there or 1%, you know what I mean? But then it grows a little bit, right? Sometimes I just have to fly with the eagles a little bit and worship. By the way, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's the first part of the prayer, aptly put, Right? the beginning, right? Because if your spirit doesn't change, you know, sometimes you don't go anywhere, right? But when you just start flying a little bit, then you can just pray down. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come. Lord, bring your authority into this situation. Your will be done, Lord. Lord, change this. It's a mess. Deliver me from evil. Have mercy on me. Oh, my. It's a pleasure and a privilege. And by the way, it's about really the basic thing and the most basic thing that causes change, supernatural change. We give up on our prayers sometimes first when we get in trouble. It makes it so difficult. But I would think that trouble would actually come easier to us, not harder. Because what happens is we kind of mess up on the very first part of the Lord's Prayer, Our Father. Uh, we don't know what to do with that because we don't feel very much like God's our Father right now. If he was our father, boy, he must be a crummy one because things aren't doing so well. 
right? So this is a trust thing, right? This is a trust thing, and we have to learn how to negotiate that. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. This is the way he sets it up. So the faith part is the worship and prayer part, as well as things that God says to do. But, but man, even if you can't do anything else, you can always worship and pray, right? Even if you don't have any wisdom what to do, you can do that. But I want to tell you something about this prayer thing I found when I worship. I get some of the best information, the best leading, and actually some of the best solutions to problems, ordinary problems. That God just puts it in my brain sometimes. I was feeling kind of down the other day. I do this a lot. So when I do that, I think, well, it's time to worship, you know. So I finally went down over here and bought this big speaker, man, down there. It's really cool. It'll blow your ears out, man. It's awesome. <laughs> so now I'm blasting my worship music, right? And it's have gun, will travel. And I can just carry this little thing with me, you know, wherever I go. And I plop it down in any room around here. And I, I, I do that, listen to just worship music for a while, maybe a long time. You know why? Because I need to feel the wind underneath my wings a little bit, you know? And, and sometimes I'm responsible for that. You know, I'm, I'm the one that's responsible for that wind, you know. I just got to put my wings out and start worshiping. And it takes me. And there's so much amazing worship music. It's one of the ways that I survive. Also in corporate meetings like this, I survive. There's just nothing like the voices. And you know what? We carry in this church. Did you know that? Yeah. I'm not talking about guns. I'm talking about God's guns. <laughs> We're carrying You never know what a, you never what, what a lowly believer up here. You're just standing here. They look like they don't know much, you know. They're standing there, you know, just an ordinary person, you know. You come and get prayer for them. Yes. Just like God, use that person to change your life forever. Oh, yes. That's what we're talking about here. We're talking about flying here. These are flying lessons, but they're also very humble lessons. So that's why we have a ministry team, which we're going to engage right now to pray for people. It turns out God gets a kick out of bringing, out of humility, out of simplicity, miracles. He loves that more than anything else. He likes when everything is just like, not doing well, da-da-da, ordinary person, the pastor's not praying for me, the prophet isn't here, you know, all that. And there they are, and they're just with us, and then the Lord just goes, boom. That happens all the time. God gives grace to the humble. He shows up in those sort of places. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. Bottom of dungeons with prisons, prisoners singing, and they don't even know what they're singing. Barely converted. Oh, man. Heaven loves that. The angels show up and get a look at that. All right? Angels come in and look at your poverty and your humility, and they like it. Heaven loves it. You might not like it. Heaven loves it. That's why our prayers after the service and during and our worship afterward, we don't have to worship a long time. We get to worship a long time. Frankly, it takes me like a half an hour just to get all the junk off me before I can finally find God again, right? And I'm the pastor of the church, supposedly a pastor. I'm supposed to like, you know, be on it all the time. I just drag in here like everybody else. Oh man, God, I hope you show up. Okay, I'll raise my hands. Oh God, I'm too tired to raise my hands. I think I'll sit down. No, the people won't worship if you don't worship. No, okay. Maybe I could I walk around? Yeah, go ahead and walk around. Okay, fine. I'm, and then all of a sudden, you know, about 20 minutes in, whoo, whoa, hey, I'm flying. Okay, yeah, okay. 
Yeah? <laughs> and that's the way our church works. That's the way every church should work, right? You don't have to worship. You get to worship. You don't have to pray. You get to pray. It's too lowly. It's too simple. It's too easy. Yeah. Man, fancy that. God showing up in a humble place. Uh, like a manger, maybe. <laughs> Let's all stand. Lord, thank you for today. These amazing saints here, full of the Holy Spirit, this royal royalty. You said we're royal. You've made us like that, Lord. We're kings and queens before you. And uh, only because you set us up like that. And Lord, I just ask you today that you would just bring just a special blessing. If I could have the ministry team come up. And uh, I just want to ask God for miracles today. So come up. And we're going to pray for you if you'd like to be prayed for. And um, anything it is, you don't have to spend a long time here. And um, Lord, I just pray today as we ask that uh, for people, I, I pray they would mount up with wings as eagles as a result of our prayers. I pray no matter how humble it is and how simple it looks, I pray you would encourage these people on our ministry team to pray. So uh, if you could come up. Unless you just want to make me pray for everybody, you probably should come up at ministry team now and be a good time. If you want to worship a little bit, we'll just have a little worship before we, uh, as we do all of this praying up here in the front. Anybody would like to come, you could pray from your seat as well. Lord, I just pray to hear us today as we worship, hear our songs and hear our words. Let us mount up with wings as eagles today over every circumstance and every situation. Every marriage that's not doing well. Huh? Yeah. Okay, my wife's giving me instructions. All you newcomers that want to hang out with us after the service, we have a little thing for you in the tent. Thank you very much. Got a word from my sponsor again. Thank you. Thank you for your sponsor. I appreciate it, Janice. And so, yeah, we're going to have a good time out there, by the way. So if you're new, and we'll wait for you. If you want to get prayer, you can get prayer, and we'll wait for you. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would just come. People standing there, people getting prayed for by a friend next to them or up here in the front, I want to ask you to let us mount up with wings as eagles. I pray you'd help us to fly. I pray for miracles to happen in this very week. I pray, Lord, as we approach the throne room of grace to our Father in heaven, or prayers prayed right now, prayers prayed with other people, I pray there would be breakthrough after breakthrough. I pray this would be a breakthrough Sunday as we worship and monitor the heavens and fly around a little bit. As we pray, I pray you put a holy boldness, even if it's for 30 seconds today before we leave, about that thing that you came in with, that thing you're worried about, that daily bread you need, that job you need, that injury that needs to be healed, that decision you need to make. May heaven just come and bless you. May heaven track you down and hunt you down and give you the answers to whatever you need today. In Jesus' name, amen.